and welcome to episode 198 of the Waters Waveland podcast. I'm your host, Weishan, and once again, Tony's here with me. Hey, Tony, how's, how are you, how are you doing? Uh, Jesus Christ, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> going well, it's going well, Weishan. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of using Teams is, you know, we're supposed to be able to see each other and, you know, kind of know our social cues and that was my fault i screwed that up you that that was on me i apologize shall we redo this (laughs) no let's keep let's keep going this is good (laughs) okay so and tony again we have a sponsor this week don't we we do we do uh smart stream is supporting us and of course you already know about the reconciliations work well if you don't know last week i told you about the white paper on rex and Let me tell you, if you haven't read that yet, I'm going to come to your house and we're going to have words. Social distancing or not, you know, I'll wear a mask, but we're going to have to have words. You got to read the white paper, okay? Mm, Yeah, okay. That's weird. Um, You're weird. Yeah. 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 Anyway, (laughs) this week's guest is Jennifer Peavy from uh, DTCC. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your interview with her? Yeah, so they have um, two interesting kind of case studies, uh, pilot projects that they're that they're working on right now. Very early, getting um, industry feedback. Uh, one is about public markets. One is on private markets. So we talk about what the kind of the basis around these projects are. Um, but we also really kind of you know we we just try and talk about DLT more generally. I guess so. It was a good conversation. I think. There was a point during the interview, and again, I've listened to this before we're recording our introduction here, but uh, there was a point in your interview where you ask her, you know, what happens if the industry appetite isn't there? You know, what what do you think about what she said? Yeah, you know, so like, so right now they're just trying to get feedback from the industry. And, you know, she was saying like, if the, you know, if the industry comes back and says, listen, blockchain, it's just, or DLT, this isn't for us. Um then we have the ability to kind of change and to adapt. And I think that when you talk to a lot of people about blockchain, you know, you you have your really hardcore supporters and then you have people that are just completely disillusioned by it. So, and toward the end also, we kind of circled back to that idea of those who are disillusioned, you know, what would you kind of say around, you know, some some people say that, you know, um, these DLT projects say, say, that you see today, these proof of concepts, they're just watered down versions of what was promised to us three, four years ago. And so she gave some, I thought she gave some really good, um, you know, kind of counters to those arguments. So, you know, if you are a skeptic of blockchain, um, I, I think it's definitely at least, you know, she's been doing this for a long time. She's, you know, both in the industry, but then since, uh, you know, she's been a big part of the DTCC's uh, blockchain efforts. So I think it's definitely worth, even if you're not a big blockchain believer, it's worth uh, at least uh, hearing her thoughts on the subject. Okay. And with that, let's uh, kick it over to your interview with her. All right. Have a good weekend, everyone. See ya. All right, and now I'm joined by Jennifer Peavy, Managing Director of Business Innovation at the DTCC. Uh, Jennifer, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, before we get going, uh, you know, how are you holding in over there? Maybe what's uh, the biggest surprise for you um, during this pandemic having to work remotely? Uh, I'd say watching the helicopters hover over <laughs> around 23rd and 5th Avenue on a daily basis these days is uh 
is something new and different to have to experience. So. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've been having, I live in Williamsburg and um, the Orthodox community over there, they, they were having large gatherings um, for funerals and stuff. And so every night it was just like, it was every night's helicopters. So, but I've just gotten used to and kind of learned how to tune, tune that out. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, you know, today we're going to talk about um, the DTC's C's efforts um, to examine the potential use of DLT asset digitization and other emerging technologies um, with uh, some of the uh, two case studies that they've started. But before we get to that, just so the listeners know where you're coming from, uh, what's your role at the DTCC and what does innovation mean for a company like yours? My role is actually running innovation across DTCC, so working with each of our businesses to to think about how you transform some of our existing ways of working, leveraging emerging technologies and innovations. Um, Some of those opportunities are, like I mentioned, transforming something we do today. Some can be um, white space or greenfield opportunities that we just happen to see through our research and exploration of emerging technologies across the broader and global landscape. Okay, makes sense. And um, in mid-May, uh, company announced two case studies that are underway, Project Ion and Project Whitney, and kind of what some of the next steps that you're going to be looking for that need to kind of happen to help move the industry from T plus one to T plus or T plus two to T plus one, T plus zero. Um, Ion is looking to build on the DTCC's efforts over the last few years to optimize the settlement process in the public markets, while Whitney is trying to find opportunities uh, to provide increased levels of digitization through the private market asset lifecycle. We'll break these down into kind of two separate parts, but to start, what was the thinking to even get these case studies off the ground and 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 running? What was kind of the need there? So they both have different perspectives on that front. So when we looked at Whitney, for example, the we looked at the private markets and we looked at tokenization. Ultimately, we had an ask of ourselves to say, what does digitalization or taking assets and and making them more digital than they are today, what does that mean for DTCC and what does it mean for the industry? Where are there opportunities to bring efficiencies or reduce costs? How how can you potentially change the way we work, uh, make some of those improvements? And so we started thinking about how how do we take natively issued um, tokens of real assets. So we started with securities because that's, of course, where where all of our our expertise is. And um, and so we looked at um, what was happening in the industry to date. And at that point in time, there was quite a bit of activity um, focused on private market securities and alternative investment products. So we started to dive into well, what's going on with private markets. Why why would someone come along um, with an asset tokenization um, solution for private markets. And so we we learned that, you know, many, you know, there's a lot, lot's been written over the last couple of years about how private markets have been on the rise, companies, US companies are staying private longer, and a lot of their, a lot of these companies are generating more value pre-IPO. So what's the result of that? It means that institutional investors are allocating more capital to private markets. This also means that they accrue a larger shareholder base of both investors and employees. 
who need exit opportunities, which then creates a demand for secondary liquidity. So ultimately, we thought, well, what are the technology solutions that are helping these stakeholders manage this increase in activity? And what we found was that what was out there today was very fragmented. It was manual, um, siloed solution or walled gardens, if you will. Um, and and some, some solutions were only addressing the needs of late stage pre-IPO companies. So then we said, well, let's now look at emerging technologies and, and think about how how some of the tokenization approaches were trying to address these challenges. And um, what we found was, you know, there were startups that were developing SaaS solutions, but, you know, they were very focused on public blockchain. And while that appeals to early stage companies because it gives you access to a global and open accessible network, um, regulators continue to cite concerns with public blockchains acting as that golden source of asset, asset ownership. So we brought these things together and, and felt that, you know, it would be a really interesting opportunity for DTCC, who has a long history of providing resilient infrastructure, to enable some of the capability in this space um, and, and build this digital infrastructure. So, so that's, how we, that's how we approached um, Whitney. Ion, um, you know, so that was more of a, a white space opportunity, if you will. Whereas Ion, we've been on this journey on Ion, as you indicated, um, looking at ways to improve our settlement processing, um, optimize settlements, um, and add value to the industry. And so, um, you know, starting after we moved the industry to a T2 settlement cycle back in, in 2017, you know, we've been continuously trying to make iterative improvements to that process. And, and you know, taking what we learned from Whitney and natively issued tokens, and then putting a slightly different spin on it where we're now looking at um, re-representing existing shares um, in the public market space, we thought, how, let's take a look at how this technology, this innovation could actually um, help to drive some of the improvements um, for a T0, T0 settlement cycle. So um, very different approaches, if you will, but um, all stemmed first and foremost from, you know, where we can drive and add client value, right? Address key pain points that the industry is, is facing today. Okay. And, you know, I understand. So it's it's still very early days, obviously, for both these projects. And you need to right now you got kind of going out and just kind of getting industry feedback to kind of the research and the discussion point. Um, but maybe I guess then to start with Ion, you know, you talk about some of the main problems here at DOT could possibly solve for as you started to get feedback, you know, what are you kind of hearing from the industry specific to this Ion project, I guess? I think what we hear is that, you know, ultimately what what Ion has included in in its in the proof of concept has been a couple core components, right? It's included the ability to net um, on a real time basis throughout the day, um, provide a pre settlement funding model, and and introduce settlement on an intraday and an end of day basis, right? So if you take those things. And I think most of the industry, and those are non-technology focused 
um, value, you know, value. But if you take those components, I think the industry sees a real opportunity to lessen, you know, to free up liquidity, to um, you know, bring bring capital efficiencies in this space. I think where the question still remains, and what we hope to to get out of this client engagement phase um, that we're in right now, is what's the actual impact and benefit of DLT on that on on delivering and enabling that value. So um, you know you can you can use lots of different technologies to net and to settle, et cetera. But how is DLT really driving just that incremental more impact and benefit for the industry? And therefore, then, is it the right technology stack to think about a more modernized settlement infrastructure for U.S. equities clearing and settlement? Yeah, you know, and so because obviously there is that need, as you, as you mentioned, to free up liquidity, create capital efficiencies and you know, and I know that you guys are still trying to figure this out. I guess that that's what the whole point of the project is. But it seemed to me that the the appetite for kind of a fully fledged DLT revamp is that it's it's waning at least from maybe where the industry hope was just a, a few years ago. Um, because as I would understand it, it would be kind of a, a bit of a massive undertaking, both a fair amount and a fair amount of commitment, both on. Uh, DTCC's part as well as industry participants. So, you know, what happens if, you know, industry, if you, you just kind of go through this and the industry says, this isn't what we're looking for, that this is it, this doesn't seem right. Do you just kind of scrap projects or what, what kind of is the result if the feedback isn't, yes, we want this kind of DLT technology there? So what I love about what I love about my my job is um, I have the opportunity because my team is separate yet synergist, synergistic to the BAU organization. We can be a lot more agile and focused, unencumbered in being able to apply some of these emerging technologies to use cases such as Ion and Whitney, and by focusing our attention on some of these concrete pain points and uses of, of technology to see how it enables these, these um, various use cases, um, we can actually make those decisions and pivot away from a technology if it's just not going to be fit for purpose. And I think that's, um, that's something that every organization um, can benefit from because it just, it not only helps you create more value for your client, but you ultimately have um, have the means to go to market quicker when something does make sense um, and potentially, um, you know, reduce reduce not only your time to market, but also your cost involved because you're kicking the tires on that technology up front. Um, and while it may not be in a perfect production um, scenario where you're applying every one of your security requirements or, or things of that nature, you're trying to be, you know, nimble here. But it, at least you're te you're really testing out the boundaries of this technology with your clients and partners, and so I think it's it's that's what we're most excited about in these opportunities is that we we still believe that that you know emerging technologies and DLT can bring value to the industry, but but coming and getting to exactly what that is and what the appetite to to take that on right now that's that's the real question and and that's what we hope to answer here. 
and so I would imagine then on your end and kind of how when you go out and deal with uh, with uh, just your clients, industry participants, there almost has to be a bit of a, an educational component to this because, you know, you don't want people to get frustrated being like, oh, I thought DLT was supposed to be the be all and all it's supposed to solve things. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you as you kind of really start working with it and try and implement it, you realize actually there, there are better ways of going about this and that has to happen with any kind of innovation, with any kind of advancement. You have to have that kind of, it's not going to be what you thought it was on day one, right? Uh, the yeah. end product. So is there Absolutely. that kind of education component that has to go into this? Absolutely. I what we what we the way that we break down our client engagement discussions is, you know, we focus first and foremost on the use case and and what value we're really trying to drive for the client. So let's take Ion. You know, we're, you know basically freeing up liquidity and bring, you know, bringing some capital efficiency. If we, if we get, you, you know, agreement that that value exists, right. Then it, then the question is, well, how do you get to that value? And then it becomes a question with the innovation teams, the um, business team um, and their technology. If there's any, you know, distinguishing between the innovation and their technology teams, bringing those guys together to sit down and talk about the the design decisions that were that were were architected for a prototype, for example. And so once we walk through those, then we can better understand, you know, how the integration would work for a client um, versus not. Now, in both Ion and Whitney, one of the core features that we we included from the beginning was API integration because while distributed ledger and, and adopting nodes on distributed ledger may not be in a in a client's um, near-term plans um, from their technology strategy it, it, you know having the ability to still extract the data and, and integrate to the platform through an API is critical and certainly helps to alleviate some of those adoption challenges that that many of the initiatives certainly face. Okay. And then before I switch over Whitney, so for Ion specifically, you're getting industry feedback right now. What are some of the next stage and the next steps that um, that you're going to look to hit? So you're going to get industry feedback, then what happens from there? Yeah, we're in that we're about at the halfway point of also running a comprehensive technology assessment. Our goal here is really to determine what an appropriate tech stack would be for a more scalable implementation. Um, and so once we once we have that, um, then we can decide if is it DLT, is it not DLT? I mean, the proof of concept was certainly done using DLT. I envision that the, that the that the prototype will be built using DLT as well. And we want to we certainly want to test out some more you know, um, more of the concepts around that. But ultimately, we'll likely move from this tech assessment into a prototype build um, so that, again, as I mentioned, kicking the tires, um, having a more functional um, uh, prototype that can really engage clients and partners in end-to-end in -end workflows, that's, that's going to be critical um, to just continuing to build that confidence and buy-in around, uh, around the solution. Okay. At that point, if there's a case, if we if we in the industry decide that there is a case for change, then we'll we'll work through a case for change and and figure out next steps at that stage. And 
you know, just just maybe just to, so people who are listening kind of understand maybe longer timelines. But this wouldn't be something, even as you're building a prototype, this is still something that would be if if DLT was perfect and perfect fit for what Project Iron is saying out for the end result. That's still five years away, ten years ago. Is is that fair? What I'm saying, or do you think it's that it could be potentially sooner than that? I don't know that I would say it's five years away. I don't actually have a timeline, um, yeah. but I would I would hope that it would be a little bit sooner than that. Okay. Um, but but the reality is this is U.S. equities clearing and settlement is um, is a high volume business. And so um, you know a couple of years ago we did a benchmarking study using DLT to just understand better some of the non functional requirements um, that we have and how well DLT can meet those non functional requirements, such as performance and scalability. So, even though this ION digital accelerated settlement service would be envisioned as an optional settlement service for participants, um, it's something that still needs to be pressure tested against performance and scalability. Um, expectations, right? And so um, I think, you know, there's still a lot of work that we have to do on that front to, to pinpoint a time frame. But are, we are very interested, again, just getting to this prototype stage and understanding the appetite for perhaps a minimum viable product um, around an optional settlement service to move forward with. Okay. And so looking at Whitney, and this was just my opinion, but kind of just looking at the private markets and my guess is that there'd be a little bit more appetite here just because of how opaque the, the, the private markets are. Sorry, private markets, not capital markets, uh, na how they naturally are. And this idea of tokenization, which to me at least makes a lot of sense uh, and how that could fit in naturally um, with what is currently there in the private markets or is not there. Um, for, for this project, for Project Whitney, what are kind of some of the key steps right now that you're, that, that you're looking to make with that one? So this one was kind of this one was a little bit a little bit more fun for us, um, and I'm, I say that um, a little bit in jest. But the reality is, with Whitney, as you mentioned, it it was a white space opportunity, and and my team has um, a mix of deep industry experience as well as just entrepreneurial spirit and enthusiasm. So the opportunity to really build something from the ground up and 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 think about how you could basic create and design an ecosystem around a digital platform for private markets um, was really was really fun and, and exciting and, and hearing that all the diversity of of um, insights from not only you know our team but you know talking to our alternative investment product team and also talking to um, other parties or, or providers in in tokenization as well as private markets just to inform on you know how we should approach this. It was so it was a lot of fun to do this. And ultimately, I think where we came out was there are a couple of things DTCC is just historically been very good at, right? Um, we're very good at providing robust, resilient, safe, and secure infrastructure for the industry. And and when we thought about that and, and we looked at the private market space, we didn't want to be everything to everyone. Like that's not our that's not our goal. It's not our strategy. And so we thought, how can we enter this space where we don't predominantly operate, um, provide something that adds value, but also support a couple core capabilities. So we focused on compliance and suitability, an authoritative stock record, and again, APIs, right? Um, those are some of the core capabilities. Um, and we felt like those were good ones because they didn't offer 
competitive value for any one stakeholder. Rather, many stakeholders would benefit from a centralized and distributed um, capability around those, those topics. So with the ability to provide the infrastructure and those core capabilities as the foundation, we thought and, and designed an, um, an ecosystem where stakeholders such as placement agents, fund administrators, transfer agents, or cap table providers, or alternative trading venues, all of which serve the issuer, could participate in this ecosystem and really help to drive network effects and value um, and streamline that end-to-end -end workflow. Um, there's an opportunity that through the alternative trading venues um, and the connectivity with a compliance and suitability enforcement that is um, you know, used at the top of the chain for the primary issuance, but also on the secondary, um, secondary uh, trading side, that can bring just a lot of um, benefits in terms of ensuring that you've got standards across the board and, and you know, reducing some of the risk involved. So we, we felt like it was just a really exciting um, opportunity for us to explore. And again, with this one, we are in the middle of, of our um, client engagement as well. Um, with Whitney, we have we already are at the stage where we have a prototype. So we've been able to connect to certain stakeholders and start to test out some of the 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 workings. Um, but so far, everything, you know, the feedback we've gotten is has been really positive. And I, I I'm really excited to see this one um, to see how this one moves forward. Sure, and, and sorry, you know, so what are kind of the next immediate steps like over the next couple of months? What do you see as be, since this is white space and kind of a new area? You know, what do you envision kind of those next uh, six months looking like? So I, I expect that in the next next six to eight weeks, we'll we'll, you know, finish and, and kind of wrap up our client engagement just to round out the, the initial feedback on the offering and assess the demand and the interest for this type of platform in the private market space. Um, ultimately, if there if that demand is there, then again we'll put together a case for change, and we'll see if we can if we have the opportunity to move something like this forward. What's what's also interesting is we did start the prototype with Reg D, and so one of the other things I'm looking forward to un better understanding from the industry is, you know, we selected Reg D because you know Reg D exempt offerings dominate the industry. Um, and appeal to you know early stage companies in particular, but the platform as it's designed today can you know is certainly extensible across other asset classes, and so it will be really interesting to get you know more feedback around um, whether alternatives um, in the in terms of tokenization are, are are a better place to start versus debt or or you know the, these private equity issuances. So um, that could be very interesting, and then. We're also thinking about, you know, how do we take some of these core concepts and where could, where else could they apply, be applied, right? So um, there's a lot of really interesting things that could happen in the next six months. Okay. And then obviously the other big project underway at the DTCC pertaining to DLT is the Trade Information Warehouse project. Um, how is that coming along? Uh, it's coming along well. We've actually gotten through all of the development in the QA in terms of the distributed ledger platform um, and we've completed our, our testing with the, our industry partners, um, dealers, buy-side firms, et cetera. Um, we're now just working through with our other partners and stakeholders to identify a launch date. 
and I would have to imagine that the pandemic that has, uh, you know, when when you work on something that appeals across a wide swath of the industry, that it's got to be a little bit more tough now. Is that a kind of a fair assessment as to as to what kind, just to kind of manage expectations for uh, how this rollout will happen? I'd say that you know priorities are, have certainly shifted, right? Um, it doesn't it doesn't not necessarily specifically to TIW or or only TIW. I think on a broad basis, though, the uh, pandemic has certainly shifted priorities. Um, even as we've looked at Ion and Whitney, um, you know, we've we've had to manage um, clients who just you know in the early you know earlier days couldn't couldn't quite engage just yet because obviously they're. Their, fo their focus was on, you know, more more real time and, and near term um, priorities, but um, it's certainly a consideration. Yeah, and so would a rollout happen this year? You think, or are you guys probably looking more toward twenty twenty one? I really don't. I don't have a date at this point in time. We'll just have to wait and see how things kind of play out. Okay, fair enough. And then you know, just kind of looking at uh, DLT more broadly, um, you know. We had talked a little bit about kind of the education process and how, you know, I, it seems to me that, you know, three, four years ago, there was so much hype around uh, DLT and just kind of blockchain, whatever have you, that everybody was like, oh, it's going to be great. And now companies have had to adjust as they've had these projects, again, with any kind of innovation, right? There are adjustments that are going to be made. What you think is going to be on day one, the end product rarely ever ends up being that. Um, so it would seem to me now that DLT is at a different place now than it was previously that, you know, some people might say watered down, but it seems like now the way that a lot of these proof of concepts that we're seeing across the industry, both internally, whether at Northern Trust, at ASX, whatever have you, um, some it's taking more components of, uh, what you would think of, of DLT blockchain and figuring out what works for the capital markets. Because I think as firms have gone about this, they've realized that there are certain hurdles that exist for capital markets that maybe don't exist for say healthcare or military, yeah. whatever have you. So, you know, as somebody who's been on the front lines of DLT at the company um, and at a company that's kind of embraced the, the idea of this technology, when we talk about DLT today versus, say, three, four years ago, what's the main change and what should industry expectations be when you hear DLT and blockchain uh, in a conversation? Well, I, I, you know, my first reaction to the what should what should people people's expectations be is is patience. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I look back and think about even when we started TIW, we were so early in the in the journey. Um, it was almost as if while we were we were the first almost we the first to operationalize the technology, it was somewhat on the job training, right? So um, you know, we were just learning about, you know, how do you manage on-chain versus off-chain functionality or, you know, what does performance and scalability look like? There wasn't a lot of transparency around some of those core non-functionals with regards to DLT. And then even if there was, it certainly depended upon which DLT you were looking at, right? What network protocols it had, what design considerations it made around security and confidentiality of data. So there were, there was so much to really embrace and learn about not just the technology itself, but each of the different implementations. And so I feel, I feel like, you know, the industry has, has moved a long way. Um, when you started off and, and indicated 
felt like DLT had been watered down. I think in the early days it had been, right? It had been kind of reduced to a, it's good for distributing a copy of your data in a much more in a much more um, efficient manner, if you will, um, but not not much more than that because there was just too much unknown around how how far could you take it, and you know I'd say that even now we're still exploring and experimenting. I mean, with Whitney, we we have originally designed the the platform prototype to integrate to Ethereum public blockchain with off chain components. Um, but we've also integrated now the, the prototype to Hyperledger, and we're just wrapping up our Corda implementation, which has a very different um, profile in terms of the on-chain, off-chain components. So um, I'd say a lot has changed in the last four or five years. The entire ecosystem has matured in ways that that I'm really excited to see. And I'd say if you were also looking at this technology as with with the hope and potential that it has and wanting to move it forward. Um, I'd say most people I think are in that a similar place. Um, but you know, each, each experiment right now just helps to build our operational capability and confidence in using the technology. So we need to keep pounding away at it. I'd say this doesn't just apply to blockchain or DLT. It applies to anything we do with emerging technologies like cloud or AI machine learning, et cetera. So there's still a lot of promise. There's still a lot to be had here. It's just a matter of having some patience and awareness of how far we've come. All right. Well, listen, hey, that makes sense. And uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, kind of what some of the results you guys see from Ion and from Whitney. So uh, thanks so much uh, for joining today and taking the time and walking us through it. Thank you. I enjoyed it.